So good to be at local city church in Tampa. And it took, it took me a good half an hour to get up here. This is a, it's a long distance to go from there all the way up here. But hey, so good to see you and so great to be in your church this morning. I'm inspired being here today. It's awesome. Um, if you're calibrating really quick to my accent, yes, I am from Australia. I hail from the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Sydney, Australia is where I'm from, but via St. Augustine, Florida, the nation's oldest city. So I am like you. I am a fellow Floridian. Who loves the state of Florida? Come on. Can I get an amen in church? I think we're all grateful for the state of Florida right now. So uh, just a short drive over for last night to be with you guys this morning. And uh, man, it's so inspiring to be in your church. Um, You guys have such an incredible, incredible church. Um, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, but you have incredible, incredible pastors in this church. Come on, can we give it up for pastors Ryan and Adrian Miller? They are the real deal. They are the absolute real deal, and, um, and I am unapologetically, uh, I like that word, um, just going to boast on them for a minute because, you know, we, we connected with, with Ryan and Adrian um, probably two or three years ago as this whole thing, this concept called Local City Church was kind of coming together and it was really cool just to sit with them and hear their heart and we could just see immediately that they were the real deal and authentically wanted to love on the city of Tampa and so I am so excited to be here. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning and I brought my little ministry intern here. My daughter Maisie is on the front row. Come on Maisie, wave. Give everyone a wave Maze. Come on. Actually I have a picture of my family that I think we're going to put up there. That's my family right there. So my wife and I, we started Colonial Church uh, in 2015 in St. Augustine, Florida, which is where my wife hails from, which is why we moved from Australia to there. Uh, That should make sense for you because you're probably thinking, why St. Augustine? Well, that's because of my beautiful wife, Jill. And then uh, Maisie, obviously, who's 10. And then my two brutes, Jack and Charlie, who, um, you know, have big plans for Hope and Ministry, hoping Florida Gators football uh, University of Florida is, I'm already talking to the school about, about them receiving my sons and so, um, but that's my family. So anyway, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Who loves the Bible in church on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Wouldn't be the same without it. But I'm excited to share this, this morning because the topic uh, of generosity in this, in this month that you guys are in, more than enough. I love that tagline, by the way. It's such a powerful, powerful um, concept to understand when it comes to God that there is always enough and God has exactly what we need in store for us. And so I wanted to talk today about generosity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, obviously, but he's speaking about a different church. He's speaking about a group of churches in a different part of the world at that time. He's talking about the churches of Macedonia. And what's interesting about it is that he's trying to inspire the church in Corinth to get excited about generosity. And he kind of has this, you guys do shout outs here. I love that local church is a shout out church. Like you guys are just shouting everyone out. Everyone gets a shout out here. I love it. But basically what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's shouting out the Macedonians. He's saying that the Macedonians, they get it. They understand it. They're a part of it. So let me read it to you. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. This is what it says. It says, now, friends, I want to report 
on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. And he goes on in verse 5 and he says, This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. Imagine catching the Apostle Paul off guard. That's a pretty incredible statement right there. Caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they first had given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. So that was what well, so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in many things. He's speaking now to the church in Corinth. You trust God. You're articulate. You're insightful. You're passionate. You love us. Now, do your best in this too. The Apostle Paul is saying, this is an area that you need to work on. He says, I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but, be, but, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best, the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor as we became rich. So here's what I think, and he sums it up. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you have started last year and do not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it, finished, what it takes to finish it up, so go for it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can not what you can't. I love that. The heart regulates the hands. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them in every way. Your surplus matching their deficit, your surplus matching your deficit. I want to preach a message this morning. If you're looking for a title, it's the title, When Vision and Generosity Collide. When Vision and generosity collide. Online, why don't you write that title down as well? When vision and generosity collide. Come on, let's all just pray together right now over God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word today. <clears throat> we thank you that it always breathes life into us. It always changes us. It always helps us. It always shapes us into who we're called to be, God. And so, Father, we thank you this morning here at Local City Church that that's happening right now as we come under the authority of your word, Lord. You're speaking life into us. You're helping us. You're showing us what's next and what's happening and what we can do. And Father, we just thank you for everything you're doing in this church right now, God. We're grateful for the saints in Tampa. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church, God. We pray for all that's ahead, all the initiatives, God. I just thank you that you're working, you're moving, you're here. Holy Spirit, we love you. We need you. Come on into our lives right now. Come on into this moment. Illuminate God's word and take us into all truth. And we thank you as well for local city kids. God, we thank you that you're blessing them right now. You're building them up in Jesus' name. And we all said together. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. We all said together. Amen. Amen. So I love a good pairing in life. <clears throat> when you think about it, pairs are, are interesting. I mean, you think about husband and wife. What a great pair. 
Think about other pairings. I was thinking about food the other day. There are some great pairings when it comes to food, like pasta and red sauce. That's a good pairing, right? If you're in the South, what about this one? Ribs and sweet baby rays. That's a good pairing right there. And the pairing produces something good. A great, a great pair produces a good thing. Um, I think about a godly marriage, the pairing of two godly people, two people that love Jesus, that are going after God's best. That's a great pairing. You know, it's exactly the same when it comes to our generosity in the kingdom of God. Because when we give to what God has said to give to, when the vision comes and we decide to give towards it, that becomes a great pairing in the kingdom of God that produces amazing things. See, when vision and generosity collide in God's kingdom, something incredible happens. Something amazing takes place. And we see that very thing take place right here in 2 Corinthians. The vision was Jesus. The vision was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was starting to go out in that time. It was starting to, to infiltrate society. It was starting to go out into the cities. It was the vision of Jesus becoming the savior of the world that then translated into generous hearts and this beautiful pairing came together called vision and generosity. Yeah. And when those two things collide, amazing things take place. Yes. I think about what's happening right now in the city of Tampa. What's happening is a new church is starting up. You know what church I'm talking about? I'm talking about this church. Local city church. This church is starting up. What are you, two and a half years old? Just getting started, just beginning. Well, what's happening is the vision is going out. The vision is being cast. The vision, which ultimately, I mean, all churches have all kinds of different vision. We have a vision in our church. You guys have a vision here, but really the vision is Jesus, right? Can we agree with that? The vision is Jesus. The vision is the gospel going out. And what happens is when that vision goes out and people get on board with their generosity, it's a collision that changes the world. It's a collision that completely can change the fabric of this city. I love that one of the initiatives you guys have is to have a HQ here, to literally have a stake in the ground somewhere that says, that's our ministry space. That's where we do church. That's where we gather people. That's where people come together. When vision and generosity collide, it's a beautiful thing. So what was it that inspired the Macedonians? What was it that made them leap out, like the Apostle Paul says? Like it literally, you get this picture that the Apostle Paul had to beat them away with a stick. He was just like, please, like this is crazy what you're doing. What was it? What did they catch? Okay, point number one was, is this this morning. The Macedonians gave and had generous hearts because they loved God. That's where we have to start. The reason that they had a heart to give, the reason that they had a generous spirit was not because someone was coercing them. It, was not, it wasn't because someone was like, hey, you have to do this. They did it because they loved Jesus. We give to the church. We step out in generosity. We say, hey, we're going to build this church because we love God. It's not because we have to do anything. It's because we have a heart that just loves Jesus. And we're completely overcome by his grace. They loved God. Look at what it says. It says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. What explains it 
is they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. See, there's a beautiful order right there. See, whenever you're doing something for God, you've got to do it from a love of a place of loving God first. Because once you get into, you know, a sphere or a space where you're just doing things, you're working for God because you feel like you have to work for God. That's when the power comes out. But when you love God, you'll do things for God. Can I get an amen? When you love God, you'll do things for God. Like give and be generous. It was totally spontaneous. Generosity came to the Macedonians because they had a heart that was sold out for Jesus. Because outside of being sold out for Jesus, you know what it is, church? It's just charity. And I remember when we first started our church, it was awesome. There were people that showed up, but they kind of showed up with a golf club. You know what I mean? They kind of showed up with this heart of like, I will help you out. It's nice you're doing, Maddie and Jill, it's nice that you're doing this thing called Colonial Church. It was a golf clap. You know what a golf clap is? You know when someone sinks like a four-foot putt that you should just sink every single time and they're just like. Like we don't like golf golf claps in church. We like these kind of claps. Like, yes, come on, that's awesome. There's a difference, right? But we don't need golf claps in church because we love God. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, I don't know necessarily what I'm trying to say right here, but basically it's charity is one thing, but when you have a heart that loves God, you'll do things that are over and above. And that's what we saw here. That's what we see here. They were given unreservedly to God. They'd fully accepted Jesus and had given their lives to Him. I'll just go ahead and say it. They were true followers of Jesus Christ. They loved God. We have to get the order correct. Because if you don't get the order correct, it just becomes something other than giving. You know, I love that what Pastor Ryan said, but if you feel coerced, if someone's twisting your arm, you're no longer giving, you're actually paying for something. You're paying for someone to let go of your arm. <laughs> but when we give, if we give with this heart that they had, there's no coercing, there's no forcing. It's simply giving from a generous heart. So number one, they loved God. Number two, are you still with me? Number two, they gave because they aligned themselves to what God was doing. And that's my prayer for this house. That you would understand that God is moving at this church. That God is doing something in Tampa. That through this church, God is bringing about His purposes, His plans. That there's a missional focus to you guys being here. This is, it's not an accident. Listen to me, friend. It's not an accident that you're sitting in that seat right now. You're here on purpose and that God has a purpose for your life and you can align yourself up to what God is doing and that's what they did. I pray that this would be a church where people can sow their lives into this place and it's our prayer, my personal prayer for your church that you would understand you can line yourselves up with what God is doing right here. You don't have to look somewhere else, that you don't have to go somewhere else, that right here you can sow your lives into the heart and soul of local city church. I mean, everyone, individuals, husbands, wives, married families, families, kids could grow up in this church because that's what God is doing. 
and you could sow your life into this church. Ordinary, everyday people coming in, filling up this place. I mean, look at how many seats are in here. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at how many seats are in here. Could you just imagine this place filled? Could you just imagine this place filled with people with their arms up, praising Jesus? Could you imagine week in, week out, people giving their lives to Jesus in this place? See, this is what we can do. We can align ourselves to what God is doing. And when we do that, something amazing takes place. God gets involved and things happen. And I believe our world is desperate for churches like yours. I believe that this city called Tampa Bay is absolutely desperate for a local city church. Do you know that? Because we're living in a world like never before needs to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, needs to understand grace is available, needs to understand that Jesus is there for them. And so I believe in the next time I come back, in Jesus' name, this place is going to be full of people, even more than it is today, which is awesome. So that's my prayer for our church, that we would understand just like in your church, just like the Macedonians, just like the Macedonians, that, man, we can line ourselves up to what God is doing. Young families, you might be in here today and you're a young family. Can I just encourage you? You can sow your life into the vision of this church because this church is going somewhere. This church is focused on Jesus, so therefore it's going somewhere. You can sow your kids' lives into this church. You can sow, sow your family. Maybe you're in here today and you've got teenagers. Can I just encourage you? Sow your life into the local church. Align yourself to what God is doing. And that's what they did in Macedonia. So they gave because they aligned themselves to what God was doing. And finally, number three, they gave what they could, not what they had to. Did you hear that? The church in Macedonia, they gave what they could, not what they have to. Let me show you something. Look at what it says. It was a completely different spirit. It wasn't out of obligation. It wasn't out of being forced. Look at what it says. The pressure that they were living under, the society they were in, the things that they were going through, the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. Paul says, I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings, look at it, of whatever they could not what they had to. And that's the difference in the spirit. That's the difference in the spirit that we see. They, well, they, didn't give, they didn't give out of what they had to give. You know, giving should never be a have to. Giving should always be, I want to. I'd love to. Oh, are you taking up a relief for the saints? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a part of that. That's, that's true giving. They gave what they could. And so my question this morning is you're looking towards December 12 as a church when you're looking forward to these initiatives. I mean, I couldn't imagine starting a church in Africa. But you guys can do it. I couldn't imagine investing into this school. Like what an amazing Christian way to roll. You, know, you don't even own this place, but you're saying to the people that do, the people that are here, hey, we want to make it better for you. Nothing, nothing represents the gospel better than that. I couldn't imagine stepping out in faith and saying, I'm going to put a, a stake in the ground somewhere. We're going to have a HQ, which by the way, we did that as a church. And it completely changed everything. We were able to have midweek ministry spaces. We were able to do prayer meetings. We were able to do all kinds of things. And it co completely put a rocket behind our Sunday experiences. It was amazing. 
And I'm so grateful that people in our church just said, you know what, like, we'll give to that. That's awesome. But the Macedonian church, they gave what they could. So my question today is, why don't you just pray about what you can do? We have a saying in our church, you've probably heard this before, it's, it's a kind of a well-coined saying now, but it's simply this. The church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but it's built on the sacrifice of the many. And as we take on this spirit that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that we can be a part of exactly that story, that we just say, hey, we're going to be a part of this. It's not about one person who's got a lot of money. It's not about one person who's got a lot of influence. It's not about Pastor Ryan who, who, who's going to do it all himself. It's all of us saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. I'm ready to be involved. What does it look like? What's the vision? Because with my generosity and this vision, those worlds colliding, come on, the world can change. Can I get an amen this morning? So if you go back in 1 Corinthians, just at the very end of the letter, I just wanted to just give you a closing illustration, okay? I think you're going to enjoy it. Are you still with me, by the way? Is this helping? It's okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, just at the very end of the letter, right before, obviously, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he sends a letter and he says, hey, these are my, these are my travel plans. He says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. He says, but I, I want to visit you again. But I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. He says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, because a wide door of effective work has opened for me. And he says, and there are many adversaries. And so he says, I'm going to stay in Pentecost because a door's opened up. I'm going to stay in Pentecost because opportunities have come. And it got me thinking about you and me. As people people in the church, kingdom builders, people that want to see the vision of the church go forward. And I was thinking about how Paul uses this picture of a door opening up. He says, a door is opened up for me. He calls it a wide door. A wide door for effective ministry is opened up. This is how my, my mind thinks. But I was like, well, you know, that's pretty cool. Use the, the idea of a door. And I was like, God, what does that mean? Like, wh- why would he use a door? And I was thinking about Psalm 84. how it talks about how I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of our Lord. And all through the Bible, it talks about doors and pathways. And I was thinking about, God, you're like the door. It's your material. You've created. you created everything. So the door is kind of on you. And to me, like Jesus is the doorway. You know, like Jesus is the pathway. We walk through, we meet Jesus, everything changes. We go through that. He's the door. But what about you and me? Well, what if we were like the hinge? I brought a hinge to church today. I had someone get me a hinge. Thank you, RJ. You're the other man, wherever you're at. Went to Home Depot for me this morning. This, this is our generosity, church. Is we're like the hinge. We're like the hinge on the door that helps, helps the door open up. That we, when we understand, hey, we're not, we're not the door, Jesus is the door. But what do we get to do? We get to be the hinge that opens the door up. Listen to me, friends. So people who don't know Jesus can walk through that door and know Jesus. So we can, we can be the people that understand when that door opens up and we help that door open up, that the message is going to go out, that grace is going to be extended, that the people are going to understand that God loves them. So you might be in here today and you're like, man, what can I do? Why don't you just be the hinge? Why don't you just choose today that, hey, with, with what God has given me, what I could do, I'm going to be like the Macedonian church. I'm just going to be the hinge. And I think about all the people that were around the Apostle Paul at that time that were around his ministry, I reckon there were a lot of hinges. 
I reckon there are a lot of people that we don't know their names. Listen to me. This is good stuff this morning. We don't know their names. We don't know their titles. We don't know their genealogies. We don't know where they came from. But there are a whole bunch of people. So we do know some of them. He does talk about them in his letters. But there are a whole lot of people that were just hinges to his ministry. They were just hinges to the gospel going forward. They were just hinges that helped the door open up so the gospel could go out. In Jesus' name. Do you receive that word this morning, church? What is what I'd like to do? If everyone could just bow your head for a moment, just in an attitude of prayer. I like to do this at the end of every message, but if you feel like the Lord has been speaking to you through this message, or maybe, maybe you don't know yet, but why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? How is this applying to me? What step of faith do I need to take? What action step is necessary for me? I want to pray over you. So when you know what that is, when you know how God's calling you, when you know that maybe it's just like, hey, I just need to be the hinge. When you know what it is, I want to pray for you. So while no one's looking around, when you know what that area is, what that thing is, how God is leading you, why don't you just lift up your hand? I think this is the moment in church where we say, hey, God, I know, I know you're speaking to me. I, I, I'm, I'm willing. I'm saying yes, Lord. What do, you, what, what do you want? Holy Spirit, you see the hands that are raised. God, we just thank you that when vision and generosity collide in your kingdom, in your realm, everything changes. So God, we pray specifically for people that are stepping out to be the hinge this morning that are stepping out in their life to say, I'm going to be a part of the answer. I'm going to be part of what God is doing. I'm going to align myself like the Macedonian church. And I'm going to believe, Lord. And we're going to believe today that we're going to hear stories and testimonies of your goodness and your grace. God, we're going to hear testimonies of neighbors being invited to church. God, we're going to hear about marriages being restored. Father, we're going to hear testimonies about people being reconciled to you through Jesus. So God, we believe for it. We have faith for it today in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray one more time. I got told the chairs were noisy. Let's just soak in that sound. Something, something special about it. This is an old school too. I didn't realize this school was so old. There's, there's a lot of history. You know what? There's significance in that. Because here, here comes a brand new church full of life, full of vision, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, coming into an old space like this and bringing life to it, yeah. bringing fresh vision yeah. from God to it. So I just want to take a moment. I think this happens in every service. It certainly does in our church, but we always make space because never could never presume in a room like this that everyone's in a relationship with Jesus, everyone knows Jesus for themselves. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, Christians praying, Friend, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you could say that you met with Jesus? That you surrendered ownership of your life? You surrendered, you offered up your will to Him and said, God, take my life. Have you ever had that moment? Has there ever been that time? As the Bible says, if we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead. Romans says that we will be saved. 
So friend, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Because I would love the honor and the privilege of leading you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to step out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to come down the front. But I would love to pray for you. So I just need to know who I'm praying for. So in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, either you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe once you did, and if you're honest with yourself, you're disconnected from God, you're away from Him. When I count to three, I want you to lift up your hand. High enough and long enough for me to see it. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right where you're at. So friend, have you said yes to Jesus? Do you know Him personally? Today can be your day. There's no such thing as a random occurrence in the kingdom of God. You were meant to be here today. You were meant to be here to hear this message. You were meant to be here for this very moment today. So here we go. I'm going to count to three. Either you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe once you did, you want to make a fresh reconnection, recommitment to Him. When I get to three, you just lift up your hands. So here we go. Believing in faith today that people are going to respond. One, God loves you, friend. He's not mad at you. No, He's madly in love with you. Two, the Bible says that now is the appointed time. Now is the favorable time of salvation. I believe this is your hour. This is your minute. This is your time. Three, you just lift up your hand right where you're at. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Saying, yeah, pastor, that's me. Today is my day. I'm leaving this place knowing I'm in right relationship with God. I'm making my peace with God today. Is there anyone else? Who would say yes to Jesus today? God bless you. Awesome. You can put those hands down. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray a prayer together. I don't know if you guys do this in our church. We do it in our church, so it's just happening, okay? Um, But I want to lead you in a prayer. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you wanted to, you know, God sees your heart, okay? He, he, He sees your heart very, very clearly. So if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, but you wanted to, when you pray this prayer, you've got to understand something. You're not praying this prayer to me. You're not praying it to this stage or the roof. This is between you and God, and He's listening. So come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, come on, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me, and you rose again so that I could have life. Forgive me of my sins, of all the things I've done wrong. I make a choice today to follow you, Jesus, to be a child of God, in the family of God, in the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church. Come on. Let's give it up for people saying yes to Jesus.